Hello, lovelies, and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again on the Ot Sports Podcast Network, and we have a fun one in store today. Um, my guest this week is the one and only Tea Time Champion, Theo Ivory. Um, of course, you know Theo from pretty much anything in pro wrestling, going back to you know managing Casey Navarro and CZW, wrestling on CZW Dojo Wars, three double three WA, um, multiple other companies. He's going to be wrestling for Pro Wrestling After Dark coming up on their Taste the Rainbow Pride Show on October first up there in uh, in Jersey uh, in a. <laughs> A gay or stay three-way that is being put on by one Miss Felicia Rose, which is uh, interesting in and of itself. Um, but Theo, you know, he's also he was also a commentator for Paris's Bumping Solid Gold 21. Um, there really isn't anything that Theo hasn't dipped his toe into in the pro wrestling world, and um, we get into a good amount of those experiences here on in this conversation, as well as touching on some other topics related to, you know, queer identities in, in pro wrestling and queer expression in pro wrestling. Uh, all the all the good stuff you've come to expect from the show, and I, I was super happy to have the chance to sit down with Theo and, and chat with him all about those experiences. Um, and we're going to get to that interview here in just a second, but before we do, um, there's a couple of things I wanted to touch on. Um, from the past week in pro wrestling. <laughs> um, uh, let's start with the good, right? Let's start with the good. Sonny Kiss and Joe and Janela had an outstanding match on AEW Dark Elevation uh, that really showcased Sonny uh, as pretty much any match where Sonny gets the chance to do what she can do um, in a amazing way. Sonny is a star that should be on such a quicker rise than she already is, but it was just great to see the match there, and it looks like that whole issue is going to continue. Who knows what may uh, come next for the feud there, but uh, if more matches like that are in store, then I am definitely on board all the way for that. Um, also, it's been really awesome to see... Mercedes Martinez start to come back onto the independent scene post WWE. Um, of course, she was released back in August, and you know now she's got matches at Hybrid Wrestling. She's got matches with GCW. She's got match going back to Shimmer now. It's just awesome to see her really kind of get back into her element after her time with WWE came to an end earlier this year. Um, a run that honestly knowing her talent um, probably should have been more but I think that's something you could say about a lot of people that end up in the WWE system for for a while regardless though awesome to see her kind of getting back in there mixing it up and I'm really excited to see her back on, on that scene and speaking of scene tonight GCW emo night I know it's not necessarily a strictly uh, queer show like some of the other ones we talk about on this uh, podcast, but there are a number of out talents that are going to be on there. Alley Cat, uh, Effie, Gabby Ortiz. You know, we're having a good chunk of representation on that show for a subculture that uh, I was a part of at one point in my life and still have a bit of a 
a bit of a, a chip on my shoulder about uh, and will defend to all time. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm stoked to see what whatever emo night has in store. Um, yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna be really interesting, and I'm sure it's gonna be a lot of fun, um, and probably some rad music too. Crossing fingers. A lot of a lot of uh, side bangs as well. <laughs> but uh, like any thing that where I start saying I'm gonna start with the good, there's always a bad side, and I think the most notable thing. Um, that was uh, a topic of discussion over the past week in terms of that was the Dark Side of the Ring, uh, I guess, mid-season debut. You know, they're coming back from their break. They had their first half of the third season earlier this year, and they came back with uh, one hell of a story and retelling and shedding new detail. Not necessarily new detail, but I think detail that was not as prevalently known to the public regarding the plane ride from hell in 2002. Um, you know, a, a huge topic of discussion coming out of this is uh, Ric Flair and Scott Hall. You know, their, um, the allegations of sexual assault that have been were levied against them by the stewardess on that flight. You know, these are things that came up in that lawsuit that was quickly settled back um, just a little while after the flight initially happened and I think that the public's response to Ric Flair and and also to Tommy Dreamer's comments have been completely forthright you know it's no secret that Ric Flair has you know been somewhat not somewhat actually he, he all the comments about him being a sex pest are completely true, you know, and that doesn't necessarily equate to assault, although who knows at this point. Um, but at the same time, like, you know that Ric Flair is, is this person. He's been celebrated for being this person for so long. And celebrated for his sexual promiscuity, his um, the way that he talks about women, the way that he talks about sex, you know, the, going nude under the robe and everybody thinking of it as just this big joke. Um, all these different aspects that point to a pattern of behavior that hasn't gone unnoticed by a lot of people, but hasn't really been contextualized in the same way that the Dark Side of the Ring episode did, at least for a good chunk of the pro wrestling audience, I would say. And that still leaves out the chunk that's still, like, l taking, like, the, the Tommy Dreamer route and just, you know, kind of, like, chalking it up to Ric Flair being Ric Flair and looking at it as it was just a joke. Um, and all of the regular talking points, diatribes that we see every time that allegations of assault come up against a beloved and famed um, figure in any industry come up. Come up. Like... It's just, it's been amazing to see the response and the accountability that's been demanded of uh, the people coming out of last week's episode. But at the same time, um, that show was just yet another reminder of the 
frustrating and frankly infuriating past that Barassing has when it comes to um, you know, treatment of women, um, burying of sexual assault, burying of any kind of um, potential legal issue when it comes to your status in a company. And that's not exclusive to pro wrestling, but um, you know, pro wrestling is what we talk about on this show. And especially in the context of being just a year and a few months removed from the speaking out movement the uh, last June, um, where accountability on a wide scale for the first time that I can remember was really um, bantied about and, sh- and and actively cultivated. It's awesome to see that those attitudes are continuing here, at least for some of us, when it comes to um, looking back on past actions of people and, and, and really formulating a fully 3D rounded view of our heroes. You know, I'll be real. Like, I, I am, I have multiple times in my life been guilty of, of hero worship when it comes to Ric Flair. I grew up in Georgia. You know, I grew up on WCW. Um, you know, I, I grew up watching, going to the video warehouse and renting old WCW, um, pay-per-views, even, like, the off chance every once in a while that you get something from that, like, quasi-NWA into WCW area, era, um, there. You know, so, it's, um, it's one of those things where it can be very easy to put the horse blinders on and not focus on these problematic things or, or just go along with how the rest of the world, um, frames these ideas of, of these people you know it's been just look a few years back with the the ESPN 30 for 30 documentary on Ric Flair like a WWE's own animated uh show that basically gave a, a a sort of like kid down but not really kid down version um of one of those instances in a way and and remember and I know that there are people going to be like, well, that, like, you saw, like, in the story, like, the in, in that story in particular, in the, the episode of Storytime on, on the WWE Network, you saw that, uh, like, you know, the woman was into it, and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you're getting this from one side. You're getting this from Ric Flair. All these stories are coming from Ric Flair, you know? And I know that there are, like, other wrestlers that have been, ta- that have spoken about these things as well and, and pointed to, like, seeing these sort of things. But at the end of the day, you're only getting the story from one person, and it's not from the person who is in the most vulnerable state, and it's not from the person that is in the most, um, dangerous state in, in many ways, just based off of their own, like, safety, their own well-being in that way. And, and it's really frustrating to see people continue to prop that up prop that image up of him um and also you know like I've I've put this to bed for myself a while back but at the same time it could be a very tough thing for you to kind of be faced with who the people that you look up to and in some cases worship and see them for who they really are you know um but that's life that's what has to that's what happened in June. That's what's been happening um, since then, and this is 
a case that is not different from that. So, and also real quick, the uh, all of the commentary runnels as well just broke my heart. Um, yeah, this is not an issue that's going away anytime soon at all, um, and nor should it. Like these things need to be addressed. These uh, issues need to be corrected. Pro wrestling can't handle this anymore. It's not even pro wrestling. Pro wrestlers, the people in this industry, cannot handle this anymore. And they sh not because they aren't strong, but because they shouldn't have to. <sighs> I don't know. And that's before we even get into this week's episode about Chris Canyon, which is I. I'm planning a, a special episode on on the Canyon uh, Dark Side of the Ring entry, um, and I'll reserve thoughts about that until after I see the episode later today. But that's going to be a hard one for myself and so many other people in the LGBTQ community that have a love for pro wrestling and see what the world what that world is like now as compared to Canyon's era. Um yeah. But we'll talk about that whenever um we have the episode down and, and ready to chat about. For now though, um <laughs> great segue. For now though, um Please uh, enjoy my conversation with Theo Ivory. What's up, guys, gals, and non-binary pals? Welcome back to LGBT in the Ring, and I am very pleased to have as my guest this week someone who, whether it be the acting world, whether it be on commentary, ring announcing, or getting into the ring, also managing from time to time so many hyphens in this person's profile, along with being the Tea Time champion, the host of Team Time, uh, Tea Time with Theo Ivory on YouTube. Uh, I, I That's okay. Yeah, we got seven. I'm trying to see if we can get an even number. It doesn't matter. Seven's a perfect one. Please welcome the King of Cuppas, Theo Ivory to LGBT in the Ring. How are you doing today? Hello, everybody. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. No, I'm excited to have you on. Like, I've I've really enjoyed kind of um, learn. I I'm I'm not gonna. I, I will say this. Whenever I was doing the QWI last year, is whenever I kind of came upon you. I, I knew of you a bit before that, but really like diving in and doing a lot of the research into putting that list together. You did a QWI? Yes, I did the QWI. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> you almost made me like cry like a good cry or bad cry it was a bad cry okay well i'm sorry about that i didn't mean to almost no i said almost yes. almost <laughs> you fixed it by putting me on the list <laughs> i was like oh my god i can't even make a freaking list of gays oh <laughs> uh, no trust me you you were you were gonna be on that list and i'm glad i'm glad that crisis was averted there but <laughs> thank you <laughs> of course no that but, felt like, amazing though i'm i'm that makes me very happy to hear that like that's one of the i guess just, just i'll just divert a little bit and get back to what i was going to say because like the qwi for me personally like i i 
the list itself is, is is what it is but like seeing the reactions to it and and seeing like how like excited and touched people were by being on the list you you yourself included like every time that i end up like going back to your twitter profile i see like that you have that qwi 95 mm-hmm. in your bio and it's just like mm-hmm. every time I'm like, okay it's like that's the that's like a reminder to me where i'm like sitting there like struggling like what am i gonna do because i just announced it's gonna be a list of 200 this year so i didn't even know there was 200 Wow. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, so I'm already like, I'm sitting here like stressing about like, what am I gonna? Ah. And then like to see that like for like it's kind of a reciprocal thing. Like seeing the the love for the list there like feeds into me. Like okay, I got I can do this again. So I thank you for that as well. And thank you. See, <laughs> exactly. It, it just means a lot when um someone sees you. <sighs> that the truth and i think that's the simplest way that i can put it just being seen is mm-hmm. like okay so i'm doing something right <laughs> i don't know what that something is but something i'm doing is right because i'm, I'm being seen i'm on a list yes <laughs> no you are you are definitely being seen and in you know through my research for putting together that, that qwi last year and having you on there um I came across like the tea time stuff and I came across um, a lot of the stuff you were doing in, in CZW and other places here and there. And like, it just immediately intrigued me. And then to see like how popular you are in like other circles around wrestling as well. Like just coming up in all these conversations about people. Like, it's, it's, hey, you, you're an amicable person who has talent. So like, of course, of course you're going to you. make that list. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> No, but um, the, I will say um, it's it's been really interesting to kind of get to to know you from from like this perspective, like as, as someone who watches and and that sort of thing. Because um, I think that you have I don't, is there is there anything that you haven't done in pro wrestling yet? Honestly, <clears throat> um. <laughs> <laughs> the, the pause um, and having I, to think is a, almost an answer in and of itself i i would say um on camera i think i've done everything like in these two years that i've been wrestling um i would say i've done everything you can think of on camera uh, wrestle, ring announce, commentary, referee. Um, I even did the cameras once. No, mm-hmm. more than once, um, <laughs> which is awful. Um, pretty much like whenever you go to a wrestling show, like when you're out, when you're like at the sh- at the ring, like whatever you see there, I've done it. Mm. And I didn't even realize it until like someone like points it out and I'm like, oh, I did that. well i mean it's i i will say like having that kind of diversity in your repertoire is is valuable definitely because like you've not only have you like popped up wrestling with you know the czw dojo wars or or wwwa are you know coming up at uh, or um we want wrestling as well um or all these different places like you've also you know i think probably most notable so far for this year in terms of like the LGBTQ community, you were the voice of Paris's bumping solid gold 2021 
this year. And yes, myself and Big Dust. Yes, that was yes. so much fun. <laughs> it sounded so like it was fun. fun. So much fun. Now, talk to me a little bit about about that experience before we kind of <laughs> delve into some other things here, because like, I I was there live in the building for that for that show, and obviously, so didn't hear the commentary while there. But going back and watching it on this debut on IWTV and hearing the commentary, it first off loved it like it, it added a whole different dimension to it because it like there was so much about that show that was just playing up the like camp and glamour of it all yes. and had so much like humor in, infused into it as well and the commentary with you and dust i mean you both play very well in the comedy we, i was gonna say like we meshed really well and like we had to like cover our mics and like look over and be like <laughs> like we we had like a lot of like funny inside the moments and that was our first time meeting. Mm. So like I don't think we knew each other, like we didn't know each other at all. So it's not like <clears throat> you know, we spoke ahead of time or we had seen each other before, like no. Like that day, literally the day of was like, oh hey, nice to meet you. <laughs> and somehow we just found that instant chemistry and it worked. No, it, it definitely worked. It definitely worked. It, it seemed like you know, there had been a lot more conversation between you two, honestly, ahead of that. Because <laughs> I don't know, Dust is so quick on his feet a lot of times. Yeah. And then you see that so much in his work with, with Killian and the rest of the goons there. Um, and then you, like... Especially when going back and watching like episodes of Tea Time, like all of that is just great, like comedic heel work in, in a way. Like, I like it's like the most obnoxious like character in the world, but I love watching it. <laughs> like, that's the goal, like to just yes. be as obnoxious as possible, but not in like a oh god, obnoxious, but kind of like a oh god. Is he gonna get his ass kicked? <laughs> like, like I, I, I don't want it to be like annoying. I want it to be like eye rolling, but also like you hate the fact that you found it funny. So it, it it's it's weird, and um, like I'm really good at ad libbing, and I think because Dust, like that's one of his strong suits as well. It just worked so good for commentary because we're two people who like just think on our feet immediately. Um, <clears throat> so like there weren't any pauses. Like we both had like comebacks for each other like right away. Um, so it, it was just a great, a great, um, I don't even know what you would, partnership, I guess you would. Um, it was a great partnership with us. We had so much fun. No, I definitely, definitely seen that way. Talk to me a little bit about like getting that opportunity in, in the first place, because obviously the past couple of years, we've seen a explosion in um, not just LGBTQ pro wrestling, but in events led by LGBTQ creators, you know, Billy Dixon, Effie, MV Young, <coughs> you know, a lot of those, a lot of those names kind of being at the forefront of that push. What was it like for you to get the call that from Billy that you were going to be on the show and that he wanted you to be the voice of it so first I was not supposed to be the voice of it uh, I see um okay <clears throat> that's a funny little story um so it kind of goes back to what I was saying about the list mm -hmm. 
um, like you feel like you should be a part of something. You feel like you've worked hard to be a part of something. And then when you're not a part of it, um, as a performance, a little defeating. Um, you're like, what am I not doing? Like, why am I not there? Um, so I think it was, I wanna say like early this year, like it was still winter, like early this year when they had announced it. And um, when they did the other show last year, I think they did the first Paris is Bumping last year. And um, I was like, I should be on that show. But I had to do self-reflection. At that point, I had only been doing this for a year. Um, and then I looked at everyone that was on the show and I'm like, they've been doing this like five, six, seven, eight, 10 years plus. So these are people that where their skill set is far ahead of mine. So I had to tell myself, maybe you're not booked because you're not ready. Like, you know, a lot of times we think we're ready, but when it's placed in front of us, you realize like you weren't as prepared as you thought you were. So that's what I just kept telling myself. I was like, maybe I'm not ready. So I just like kept working, kept working, um, <clears throat> training and stuff. And then um, Billy had, uh, well, Billy and I, we had each other's number. Um, so he said that like, he wanted, he had DMs, like he wanted to talk about something. So I called him and um, we had a conversation. He gave me some advice um, about the business, you know, just how to move in certain circles and stuff. Um, just be like things to be mindful of. It was like a, it was a, a vet talk. Hmm. And um, what's so funny about it is I'm six years older than Billy Dixon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm six years older than Billy Dixon. And here he is schooling me. But in this case, he is my vet. He is the elder in this case, because he's been in this business for like, what, at least five years. So he has, you know, knowledge and wisdom that I don't have. So I listened to like all the advice he gave me in that conversation. I was like, oh, absolutely. I hear you. I hear you. He was like, so with that being said, your books from Paris is bumping. I was like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> like, he just said it like that. He was like, yeah, so yeah, your books for Paris. And I was like, ah. um, so he wanted me to be the MC. Mm. Um, which I have to give a shout out to Larry Legend. Of course. Um, it is an honor to be, you know how some, like whenever people say the word backup, people are like, oh, I'm not a backup. To be Larry Legend's backup is a fucking honor. I'm sorry, can I curse? Oh yeah, you? you can curse all you want. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, being a backup for Larry Legend is, an honor like he literally is a legend so it's like when they say like oh larry Legend's is not available but theo is and it's like the i can never do what larry does but to even be like the tiniest bit comparable is like <laughs> um so this would have been the second time i filled in for larry as mc uh the first time was a matter of pride 
that was December 2019. Mm-hmm. So I think at that point I had been doing this like five, six, like five months. <clears throat> uh, Larry couldn't do that show. So he put in a good word for me. Um, I'd never emceed before at that point. I had just done, you know, the ring announcing and uh, commentary at Dojo Wars. I think I had been wrestling at this point at Dojo Wars for like two months. Um, so yeah, um, I was supposed to be the MC. So the day was a nightmare. Um, I can imagine. I live in Philly. <laughs> I live in Philly, so I had paid off a credit card so I could go get a rental because I don't like like I don't like asking anybody for anything. Like mm-hmm. if I can get there my own way, I'm gonna do it. So I go, you know, to enterprise. I'm like, all right, let me get this rental, and they raised the amount of the deposit. Oh no. <clears throat> Yeah, so the deposit used to be $200. And then you pay the cost of the rental. They raised the deposit to $400. Plus the cost of the rental. I'm like, I don't have that right now. So so I'm I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'm like looking at Amtrak. I'm like, okay, how can I get to... And this isn't like north new jersey like right before you get i'm like how the fuck can i get here on public transportation like oh my god so i'm like on like google maps whatever and then i'm like gabby so um i dm gabby ortiz and i'm like hey um can i ride with you and she was like hey babe i'm sorry i'm in jersey i stayed with geo and i'm like fuck. <laughs> and i'm like oh my god oh my god oh my god and then it hit me immediately that um, Desmond Rowe lives like minutes away from me. So I was like, Des. And I was like, he was like, yeah, I'll pick you up. I was like, oh God, thank God. <laughs> so I was like, crisis averted. I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna have to fucking cancel this booking. Like, oh my God. Like I was, <clears throat> so crisis was averted. We get there, um, you know, hi everyone shake everyone's hands and um you know of course billy's running around like a chicken like with his head cut off um so then you know i'm going to get with you in a few minutes to give you like you know the the, uh index cards bullet points and shit yada 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 he was like you know come to like come get me in 10 minutes so i was like hey it's been 10 minutes like Hey, it's been 20 minutes. And he said, um, okay, so last minute change. Um, I'm going to have you on commentary. Um, I just feel like it's going to work out for everybody better that way. And I was like, okay, no problem. Mm. Um, And just to sum it up, I think that was the best decision he could have made because... Like he said, he feels like it would have been better for everyone else, that, everyone that way. Um, Paris's bumping is his brainchild. So he knows what he wants, how he wants it to go, what, it want, what he wants to look like, what he wants it to sound like, et cetera. <clears throat> and what you saw him deliver on the mic as the MC, I couldn't do that. That wasn't happening with me. Mm-hmm. I would have definitely been entertaining. <laughs> but not to the level of what Billy did. And I think, you know, when people make executive calls like that, um, whether or not you like, I didn't have an issue with the decision. I was like, okay, that's fine. 
Um, I'm like, at least I know I'm good at commentary. <laughs> I was like, I know I'm good at commentary. I was like, okay, fine, no problem. Um, but like when people make executive decisions like that, you have to sometimes trust that they know what they're doing. Mm. And I, um, like the minute like he got on the mic and I, I saw like the interactions, I was like, yeah, I would have done a good job, but I, I, w- I would not have been able to deliver what Billy wanted. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Like he said, the decision was best for everyone. I'm like, people love my commentary. I loved doing commentary that night. It was a mess. <laughs> um, but it was it was a great atmosphere. Um, I tell people all the time, like, that's the best wrestling show I've been to my entire life. Um, it was, everyone was on their feet from, like, start to finish. It was just an amazing show, an amazing experience. And um, I had seen a lot of people I hadn't seen. And if I didn't see them at Mania Week, I hadn't seen them since before COVID. Mm. So it was like a lot of people there that I hadn't seen in like over a year. So like that was really nice. Um, and it was just nice to see so many, not so many, I guess the spectrum of people that supported us. Mm. yeah no i i'm with you on that like it was definitely just there's a different vibe when they're at an audience where or at a show where an audience can be as open and honest with their own true identities and their own Mm self-expressions and the way that they were at paris's bumping like it, it was just I, that really lended itself to a lot of the significance of it in my mind, at least like, you know, like watching all these people there um, just being their best selves and, and it, and added to the atmosphere, honestly, like what other wrestling show are you going to have fucking like walk battles happening ringside during intermission <laughs> with Sahara seven rolling in to show all of them who the fuck is boss. <laughs> Oh gosh. Um, so Sahara was like actually one of my best friends in the business. And uh, it was, uh, we had last seen each other at Mania Week. So that was great. Um, Cause she lives in Florida and I live in Philly. Mm. So, you know, the meeting is just, yeah, no. So times like that, it's like why I love wrestling so much because, you know, you could be flying in to do a show and your friend happens to live in that town or, you know, vice versa, or even in this case, you and your friend are booked on the same show and one of you has got to fly in. Like, it's amazing. And it's like, oh my God, like, I didn't have to pay to come see you. Like, (laughs) yeah, that was was great. And um, another like key point that I don't think a lot of people understand is not everybody on that card was a member of the LGBTQ LGBTQ plus community. Mm-hmm. Um, there are there are heterosexual workers that we had on that card, but <clears throat> that kind of I guess shows the depth of Billy's message and showing that in this ring, we're not gay, we're not straight, we're not trans, we're not non-binary, we're wrestlers. And I loved that so much because I'm like, 
I was looking at them like, oh my God, these girls online are going to gag thinking so-and-so is down with the get down. And I'm like, no, strictly fish. But, you know, it's the, the community's coming together. And at the end of the day, that's what it should be because we're all people. Mm-hmm. So that's another amazing thing as well. Like, we all got dressed in the same fucking locker room. Like, and everyone was just as comfortable as can be. And I'm like, this is what it's all about. You had some of the girls walking around with their ass cheeks out. And everybody was just going about their day. And I'm like, this is what it's about. Like, when people put too much emphasis on things, it's like, that's not really how it is. That's what you think it's like. But it's like, nigga, I don't want you looking at me, and I'm not looking at, I'm not looking at you because I don't want nobody looking at me <laughs> when I'm getting dressed. Like that's creepy. That's inappropriate. Exactly. So <laughs> it was just, I loved the message and just showing that. Yes, there were, you know, LG. You know, there were. I'm just gonna say the community because I too many letters um <clears throat> there were a lot of community geared matches and segments but at no point did anything do something that in 2021 you'd have to be like like if, if that makes sense like everything was he infused our culture into the entire show but at no point was anything inappropriate? Was anything <clears throat> crossing a line? Um, like everything was like tastefully done and the show was still edgy as hell. So it's like, that shows you right there. Like you don't have to, you know, cross certain lines to necessarily be edgy. Mm-hmm. You just have to call it true to form. No, I, I definitely agree with you on on that point because like and that obviously that kind of speaks to the progress that we have seen culturally in terms of like open expression of you know queer identities in that way because mm-hmm. like what other like and i'm thinking back like maybe like five years ago would we have seen pb smooth miles millennium desmond Monroe, <laughs> and mv young in a match where the only way to win is you have to strip all of the like men, the men's clothes off. You know what I mean? Like, um, <laughs> yes, I do think you would have seen it, but I think it would have been done. It would have been done. God, I, I hate when I, I hate when a word is like on the tip of my tongue. Mm-hmm. It would have been done as like a caricature almost. I could see that. Like, yeah. it, they would have, like, made a joke out of it. And it's like, Miles went through a goddamn door. Yeah. <laughs> like, have you ever seen somebody go through a door in a brawn panties match? Like, no one's going through a table in a brawn panties match. So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's amazing that you have a match that has comedic elements, but it's still a wrestling match. So yeah. it's like, on one hand, you get caught up in the wrestling, then you're like, oh God, oh, we about to take it off. Oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> so like the, the duality is nice, but um, 
this is, it leads to a bigger issue, which we see in wrestling today. Representation is so important. Yes. If I am a gay black man, I should not have a white heterosexual man writing for me. Like you have, I mean, let me not say that because he could have really great material and I'm, I'm more than just gay. Like there's other stuff that that person can give to me, but a gay white man, I mean, a heterosexual white man knows nothing about the life times and struggles of a gay black man. So some, some that may seem out of touch, you know, you have men writing women for storylines and it's like, okay, you know, not to say like these men can't write, but your, your only experience and perspective is that of a man. You don't know what women really think. <clears throat> like, oh, I'm, I'm coming out here, punching you and getting you disqualified every week because I'm jealous because you're prettier than me. Like, really? Oh, God. Like, just an example of, like, you can tell a guy wrote this, didn't me? Oh, of course. Like, I think that, and honestly, <laughs> like, I don't, like, I don't want to say I want to get into the daily discourse of wrestling Twitter, but it's popped up again recently because it's a, it's, a, it's the same issue over and over again. You know, yep. a lot of the women's uh, feuds right now, they're either patterned around you're prettier than me and I don't like that, or, you know, taking digs at other people because of who, who they're dating or who they're married to. No, and, I love that. I yeah. thought that was good. <laughs> I, I mean, it's good, good in times. I guess it's just like an over-reliance, <laughs> an over-reliance on anything, I feel like can be a too much of a too much yeah, you know people say like an over reliance on it and i'm like i didn't feel like it was an over reliance at all because i feel like if you don't mention it it's like and then you have to think about it it's the point of a segment or a promo exchange is to have the fans engaged what better way to engage them than to do, like give a burn and it's not <laughs> even really a burn because you know she got there on her own, like her own hard work. And everyone knows that no one would ever doubt it. But we're still going to be like, oh, because it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe you said that. So I'm like, you know, for me, when it comes to entertainment, like I, I look at some things a little differently. And I, I always approach it as like, I do a lot of promos. So and that's very scary. Like, even though you're good at it, it's very scary because you're like, are they going to react after I say this next line? And then like, or you have this line, they're like, oh, I know this line is going to get them. And then like everyone's silent and you're like, oh shit, okay, fuck, okay, shit. So like when they don't react to the shit that you think they're going to react to, it's like, okay, what do I do? Or they react to the stuff that you didn't think they're going to react to. And then you're like, oh wait, I got to slow it down. I got to let that, let that register for a little bit. So... Mm. It's funny, you know, but representation is is key. And when people are adequately represented, I think the product turns out way better, which is why I think Proverbs' bumping was so amazing. It was for us, by us, and we killed it. Mm -hmm. No, that that is definitely for sure. I will will second that to the end of days. Um, I will say, like, it it's interesting kind of bringing up the the mixture of like you know having 
heterosexual people on the show as well because like like i'm with you in that that it really speaks to the message of um kind of not as like not letting identities completely define us in in that way because i think there's a lot of people as we've seen the rise of of lgbtq pro wrestling there's been a lot of people that fully embrace that in a way because and that's and because their choice and then there's other people that haven't necessarily in a way in terms of like their on-screen persona their on-screen character that's mm-hmm. thing. i know you've been very um like forthright in that like yes you're a gay black man but theo ivory the wrestler that that's not necessarily something that factors in um there in, oh in, my god you do your research i love you <laughs> i mean oh. it's my job thank you <laughs> i've literally said I've literally said this <clears throat> um, at TZW um, in Dojo Wars. Um, the coaches, you know, sit you down and they say, okay, so like, tell us what you want to do. Where do you want to go? Like, what are your goals? And um, part of that discussion, I said, I'm not, I can't hide the fact that I'm gay. Like, it's very obvious. I said, but I don't want that to be my identity. I'm like, I'm not going to deny the fact that I'm gay. Like, okay. But I'm like, I'm not here to be a gay wrestler. I'm here to be a wrestler. Like, I am a wrestler who just so happens to be gay. (laughs) And I'm like, that's what I'm about. Because when it comes, like, I don't do a lot of um, (sighs) silly stuff in my matches. Like, when I wrestle, I, I tend to take the match very seriously and that's just me doing my part in trying to change the perception of us Mm. in the world of wrestling um we come in so many different shapes sizes shades um attitude mannerisms like you know the the spectrum is huge but um i want to be that person where someone can look and say okay, that guy's like me, you know, not every, not, there are some people that are like Sonny and they felt like, oh my gosh, like I never thought I could be a successful wrestler because uh, people told me that I was too feminine, but then they see Sonny kicking ass yes, and bloodying (laughs) people in the mouth. Like, no, Sonny will beat that ass, honey. She will give you that work. So for some people seeing Sonny do it, and live her truth and her true authentic self, it's like, I can do it too. Mm. Um, Anthony Bowens, he's very masculine presenting. So there are guys out there that are openly gay, but they never thought that they could be openly gay in wrestling because they are masculine presenting. And they're like, no one's out that looks like me in wrestling. But then they see like an Anthony Bowens and they're like, oh shit. So there's something for everyone. And I think it's, it's very important that every, every some, for some it starts early, so they're children. Every child, teenager, adult, young adult, it's important for everyone to have someone on television that they can say represents them. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, it's, I think it's the, I think it's the perfect thing, honestly, because like you don't want to have a community kind of pigeonholed into one thing. That's something that the community has been fighting back against for 
a long time in, in a way. <clears throat> Crime time. Yeah. <clears throat> there you go. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm sorry you heard that. <laughs> but I mean, maybe. <laughs> no, but like, but the, yeah, like a lot of these, a lot, not just, and this isn't, like you said, it's not just the queer community. It's, it's like, it's, you know, pretty much any marginalized or underrepresented community in this business or any other place culturally, like yeah. so, so much of the kind of power structures like to like, just find a certain characteristic or a certain ideal about, about the, about people, and then kind of force that force them into that mold in a way and you yeah. know and i will say this i am guilty of it myself i like i you know i i did a uh, article on jake atlas a while back and i put gay wrestler in the headline and jake was very adamant about that <laughs> so and like i learned my lesson you know it's like you don't want it's like there's a difference between that so much so that at the big gay brunch we saw the that whole marketing around that main event with Effie and Atlas be like the gay wrestler versus the wrestler who is gay, you know? So like, I'm with you completely on like kind of broadening the idea of what gay or or LGBTQ pro wrestlers can be in this industry, how they present in that way. I, my mind automatically jumps to somebody like Maxi Impaler, who is a completely different presentation of someone who is still so powerful to the non-binary community. But yeah. in the ring, they just like they <laughs> eat people whole. You know? <laughs> um, I hope they don't kill me, but Max is the sweetest person in the world. <laughs> Max is like the sweetest person in the world. Um, uh, Max is another person who I hadn't seen in about two years. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so I saw them about a month ago. Um, I went to the Ring of Honor tapings and, um, you know, like afterwards, like all the wrestlers are like putting their shit in their car. And um, well, I had DMs Max earlier when I got there. I was like, hey, I'm here. I'm probably going to leave soon. Come give me a hug. And but I think he was talking to someone, uh, a member of the crew, whatever. So we saw each other outside And (laughs) and I looked up and they scared the crap out of me um because they had like taken half of their gear off (laughs) (laughs) mind you I know what Max looks like without everything but to see like half of it and I I was so drunk at that time like I was like so (laughs) drunk so like just imagine like looking up and then seeing somewhere where like this is all with black paint no eyebrows (laughs) and I was like I was like oh god Max it's you (laughs) like I thought I ran into Bane or something I was like holy crap no but Max is like such an amazing person and it I have to stop myself sometimes I always gotta remember the pronouns Mm um it's just amazing that at the end of the day, it's just how someone wants you to view them. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't hurt you. Does it really hurt you? No, it doesn't. So to have someone like Max be able to kind of bring that to the forefront and then to have companies like AEW and uh, Ring of Honor specifically put emphasis on those pronouns, like, 
when I heard, um, I was watching a Ring of Honor clip, this was months ago, um, and like Max's music hit, and the commentary was like, Maxie and Paler was here. And then the other commentary said, yes, they are here. And I was like, <gasps> the Bruno. Yes. The Bruno. And then uh, JR was referring to Sunny as she and her. And I was like, I'm like, the tiniest little thing. Tiniest little thing. It means so much. <clears throat> it means so much to people. And when you think by simply calling someone their preferred pronouns, how much validation that can give them, how much that can change their entire day. Like my ex, when my ex was transitioning and uh, he came home one day <clears throat> and he said, um, someone called him ma'am. Mm. And he was like, it made him feel so happy. Cause he came home skipping. I was like, why are you so happy? <laughs> he was like, someone called me in here. <laughs> uh, but he, he since transitioned back, if that's what you call it, or detransitioned, that's the word. Mm. That's the only reason why I'm saying he, cause he mm. detransitioned. Um, but yes, at the time, um, someone referred to her as a woman and that just, she was so happy for the rest of the, like, I like a, f a freaking balloon where, you know, you lost the string. It's like, get back down here. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just so high on like serotonin. It was so happy. Mm -hmm. Oh, I can imagine like that. You know, I, I say that like I I've had my own journey with that. So like, I totally get it. <laughs> like, it's, it's definitely there. I'm going to be honest. I can't relate. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I can't relate. Mm -hmm. But I also understand that it's not for me to relate to. Yes. And I think that's really what people need to understand. <laughs> like you don't have to relate to it. You don't have to understand it because it's not about you. It's, it's so about hard. that person. It's so hard to make people think that though. It's, it's frustratingly <laughs> hard. It, it is, but I, I think sometimes you just have to just, again, tell yourself, think about like a person who's dating a person you don't like. It's not your relationship. You don't have to go home with the person. So it's like, yeah, you can say, I don't like this person. I don't like them. But at the end of the day, like, it's really not your business. <laughs> like, you don't have to deal with anything. It's so just say hi and then go. Yeah. It's that simple. <laughs> just say hi. <laughs> like New York said, you should have just sat there and ate your food. <laughs> <laughs> Like, just sit there, eat your food, and be a nice human being. That's it. Yeah. It's not hard. It's not hard. You don't have that many responsibilities. Like, just just be nice. Just be cordial. You know? It's not that yes. hard. Yes. You have two God. things to do in life. Be a good human being and don't die. <laughs> All right, Yens. Thank you so much for tuning in to LGBT in the Ring. Uh, we'll get right back into the thick of things, but I do want to take a pause real quick and say thank you to some amazing people that make this show as rad as it is. Starting off with Daniel Quasar, the Progress Pride Flag designed by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative. You can find out more at quasar.digital. 
A big thank you to Sarah and the Safe Word for the show's theme song, Formula 666, off the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSWBand, and you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp at sarahandthesafeword.bandcamp.com. Um, check out independentwrestling.tv for the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, including live events from top independent promotions worldwide. Uh, you can use our promo code LGBTRingPod or visit tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT and peruse their entire library uh, over there at independentwrestling.tv. Once again, promo code LGBTRingPod or go to tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT check out that service uh, you can follow the show on twitter at lgbt ring pod you can follow me on twitter at wonderboy otm and if you're into video games definitely check out my video game news show the mr video game super show i co-host that with uh, twitch streamers slacker kite and lady Merwin every monday at 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific over on twitch.tv slash dead sun entertainment uh, it's your weekly roundup of gaming news, uh, and it's always a blast. So once again, check that out every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over at twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment. Sun like the star. We'll be right back with more LGBT in the ring. Uh, well, I guess speaking of being a good human being, let's talk about tea time a little bit. Uh, because I've really enjoyed, like, you know, whether last year in my research, like going through and like watching the the second season, some of the first season, or even like the, the third season that just that just uh, wrapped up earlier this year. Like this series is it seems like it's been a really great creative outlet for you, for um, at least so far. And there's been a lot of interesting uh guests on on the show as well uh i will have to say and some probably, you haven't seen mm, mm. i will i will say my favorite that i've seen so far has to be either the jordan blade one uh just simply because <laughs> of just simply because of what of how jordan blade ended that interview because it, <laughs> it seems very on brand for jordan blade i love jordan friend of the show love you um <laughs> or uh nyla because it seemed like like Nyla, there's just something about whenever she gets in that aggressive mode that that she that she had there in that one. <laughs> like it's just I don't know it was just, it was just too good. Um, oh gosh. Yes. Well, talk to me a little bit about um kind of coming up with tea time and the the championship that I guess the, well the championship came first right? No. Okay. Um, the championship came last summer. Okay. Uh, the show came two years ago. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I had always wanted to do something like that. Um, so I had been, at that point, I had been at CZW for probably like three months. Um, and I went to... I went to DJ, I said, no, first I went to the production people and I was like, hey, you know, I have this idea. Cause I know like you record like all the backstage promos and segments and stuff. I'm like, I have an idea. And I said, I want to present it to DJ but I want to make sure, you know it's a good pitch not, you know half baked or whatever. So I ran it by them and they were like, no I think it's great the way you just said it. So I was like, okay. So I went to DJ, I said, hey, DJ, can I have a backstage segment called Tea Time? And he was like, sure. 
that easy. So I was like, <laughs> okay, because by that point, um, I was reannouncing and doing commentary for Dojo Wars at the same time. So like literally the minute I do my last introduction, I have to like get out of the ring and run to the commentary table. Um, but I think by that point, I was on the main show already um, managing Casey Navarro. Mm, so yes. I had kind of gotten to show a little bit of what I could do. um so that's how it came that's how it came to be um and it was the first season was so fun um I just felt the first season was just it was just fun like we were in a different building at the time and it was just fun because there were people that would because we filmed it in the locker room Mm. so there would be people you know everyone was like it had to be like silent because we were filming so the fact that people showed that respect for me that early in me being there was like felt amazing but what felt more amazing is people watching us film it and say like yo I want to be on too like when can I be on like yo I want to be on tea time um so that was really fun and it was really funny because then all of a sudden comes the moment of bliss and we're like okay (laughs) no it wasn't that it was with the coffee cup like that came around the same time so it was like oh okay (laughs) okay (laughs) I see what you did there all right um but no that's how it started um so when I say there are guests that you didn't see Um, so I'm guessing these are going to be like in the caverns and we'll never see the light of day. It's because of disputes with people outside of me. And I just kind of got, my footage was collateral damage basically. Mm. Um, but, uh, Kara Hogan, uh, Tasha Steeles, uh, Diamante, Ruthless Lala, Sue Young and it was uh, Sonia Strong, um, Shalance Royale. She was on um, AEW. <clears throat> she sung their national anthem too. Not there, the national anthem. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it was at the last live WSU show that we had. Mm. And I had filmed like multiple segments with people. And there was like one segment where like a bunch of people like came in and like basically pushed me off of my own show. Um, it was so good. Like uh, it was me, Kiara, and Diamante, and they were in cow suits. <laughs> they As were they in would cow be. Suits. Um, <laughs> and it was funny. I had actually refereed their match in the cow suit, so <laughs> it was a great little follow up. Um, but we did like a Doja Cat moo reference in the segment and i think the the running gag. so every season has like a running gag that's what i try to do so like the running gag of season one was my guests would leave mm-hmm. <clears throat> so in the one with diamante and kiara mind you they're wearing the cow suits so she's leaving i'm like no you can't leave you can't leave and she's like she said, you know what, Carol, let's go. Because right now, I'm not in the mood. <laughs> and it was just so funny because, <laughs> you know, they're being like, we're all being super serious. 
and it's taking everything in us not to fucking laugh and that's what made it just so much more funnier um i did one with lala and sue uh right after they won the tag titles uh it was great because lala's on this side telling me like how much this means to her <clears throat> you know she was thinking about retiring she like 15 years in the business and i'm like so sue how, how about you and then i turned around and she's like <laughs> Mind you, she still has like all on all her makeup and stuff. So yeah. the whole time I said, Sue, so like while I'm talking to Lala, I literally just want you to like give me like a death stare the whole time. And then I'm gonna turn around and you're just gonna stare at me and then stand up and then like just start choking me, and then the video's gonna cut. <laughs> um so much fun. Um Oh God, I had Melina on season one. That was, mm -hmm. that was amazing. Like to get someone that you, to meet someone that you grew up watching mm -hmm. is like out of this world. Um, she was so grateful for like the things that I told her. <clears throat> I was like, I don't want to make you sound old because that's what everyone does. I was like, but when you won the women's title for the first time, I was in, hold on, no. 2000. I was in 10th grade. I was like, yeah, I was in high school when you won the women's championship for the first time. And I was like, we didn't have DVR back in 2007. <laughs> and I was like, at the time, it's like, I couldn't see it because I missed it. I was like, so I had to go to the school library and go to WWE.com. And then I went to WWE.com and then I saw you holding a title like this. And I was like, she won. And like at the time I lived in the Bronx, which is like a heavy Latino population. Mm -hmm. So I'm like to see one of us, you know, hold that championship. I was like, it meant so much to me. And she was like, oh my God. Like she's such a sweetheart. She has little baby hands, by the way. <laughs> like she has like little baby <laughs> hands. <clears throat> but I think um, that was really fun. But um. I think season two, the running gag was, I think the same thing, but we kind of incorporated COVID into it because mm -hmm. it was when the pandemic had first started. Um, so season two is when I came up with the idea for the belt. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Kurt Bale and Joe Gacy were running, they started this thing like we want wrestling because they were like, we couldn't run Dojo Wars at the time because of COVID. So we were like, well, let's just do a little fun something on the side. So for those of you who don't know, Joe Gacy is now on NXT. Um, <clears throat> so I went up to Joe, I said, Joe, can I have a belt for the show? He was like, sure. I was like, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like there's like, a pattern of like not very you. much like having to fight for, for these ideas. <laughs> because I'm not going to don't get me wrong I have been told no about certain things yeah but um if I'm gonna pitch something I know I'm not gonna pitch something that I have to prove myself for mm -hmm. because then I feel like it's gonna be instant resistance yeah but I feel like at least right now you know with me being so early I'm like let me try to separate myself from everyone else and I'm like okay no one on the Indies has ever had their own belt that I know of. Because I'm not trying to get dragged on Twitter. <laughs> I'm just going to say that I know of. Um, 
So I was like, that would be really cool. Um, so I, I told Joe, he was like, sure. He was like, just make it mean something. And then um, I did, I did like a Facebook messenger group with my coaches, <clears throat> um, that being DJ, Gabby Gilbert, Nate Carter, Dave McCall, and Jimmy Rave. And I said, hey, you know, Joe, let me have a belt for uh, We Want Wrestling. And um, I just wanted to, like, bring you all in on it because I didn't want anyone to think, like, I was trying to, you know, no, like, I'm being completely forthcoming. Like, I'm not trying to do nothing funny. I was like, but I just wanted, you know, if I could get, like, any tips or advice. Um, best advice I got was think of the Million Dollar Man in the million dollar championship and he was like uh it was nate carter he was like literally you have to make it mean something because if you don't make it mean something then to the fans just gonna look stupid mm. so that was my goal um the goal of season two was primarily to get the belt over mm. um, so i introduced it in the first episode and it was present for every episode so that was really like the goal of season two to get the belt over because um, we, we couldn't wrestle. Mm -hmm. I mean, like outside, like no one was running at that time. Um, so I was like, I have to, you know, so at that, you know, we couldn't post new clips. We couldn't, you know, share footage from this show I worked this weekend. So I was like, okay. I gotta try another, like do something to, you know, build my engagement, increase my following. Like, I don't care how ridiculous this looks. I want people to laugh at me because I'm being so ridiculous. <laughs> um, so that's how season two came to be. Um, season three, I was actually in Georgia. Mm. <clears throat> um, I like right after Thanksgiving, I, was staying with my sister in Georgia temporarily for like six months. Mm -hmm. um, so when I'm in, when I'm at, when I'm staying with my sister, I go train with AR Fox. Oh. But um, my sister at the time had two under two. And um, this is when COVID has started to like spike again a little bit. <clears throat> Not, this wasn't like, early, this was like late last year, I think, cause like it started getting cold. Yeah, that makes sense. And in the South, a lot of people don't like to wear masks. <laughs> so oh. I just stayed in the house because I'm like, I, we got two babies in the house. No. So I was like, okay, I'm not wrestling. So I'm losing my mind. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I can film Teen Time in the house. I can do it. Vir like everything at that point was starting to be virtual. You know, we're in the height of the Thunderdome era. So I'm like, okay, this is totally on brand for what's happening now. Um, so yeah, I just reached out to my friends and I was like, Hey, you want to be on tea time? And they were like, yes, 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 yes. So I figured out how to do certain things. Um, like when I did Bradley Shepard, um, I knew I was going to my aunt's house who they have like a, their backyard is set up like a resort. Mm -hmm. So I was like, Ooh, I can go in the pool house and be like i'm in the maldives <laughs> i love <laughs> that really by the way <laughs> i'm really in freaking conyers georgia <laughs> um, <laughs> um i think oh season two i did an episode in the poconos like i went 
it was my cousin's birthday. We went to the Poconos for the weekend. I was like, let me bring my bow. <laughs> just, just in case something in the aesthetic, you know, makes me want to film something. And then we did uh, hot tub tea time. <laughs> um, so yeah, season three was just about trying to keep my sanity. Like, how can I still do this with all the restrictions with me being, you know, not, again, I live in Philadelphia, but <clears throat> now I'm in Georgia. I'm away from everyone. So it was like, what can I do? How can I do this? So season three just became about trying to make it as engaging as if we were face-to-face. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had fun. It definitely seemed like you had fun. And then all the guests seemed like they had fun as well. And it was a very eclectic mix on, on that third season yeah. too. I really, yeah, like Eddie McQueen, a doll. I, oh my God, <laughs> so good. Um, but no, it, and honestly, like, I think that, you know, Tea Time, whether it be like the seasons where you have people in person there or you're doing it virtually like last season, one, it does kind of, it does accomplish that goal of kind of like, giving yourself an outlet and kind of like still keeping your your um your creative juices flowing still getting stuff done make you feel productive and that sort of thing but i'm sure that especially like being in at least some form of lockdown like that that had to be just good for the psyche to kind of like at least keep that keep something in your mind to feel like you're moving forward or like trying to or like staying in front of people in in that way whenever you're not able to get into the ring yeah it it was again i remember how i said in the beginning like season three was kind of like bittersweet Mm -hmm. um it was just bittersweet because i am i i'm not a perfectionist but i feel like I was used to a certain quality and I couldn't have that quality because of the circumstances. <clears throat> so a part of me was like being super critical of myself, like, oh my gosh, like, what if this looks cheap? What if this looks tacky? Or, you know, what if, what if, what if? Mm-hmm. And I thought about that for a long time. And then it got to a point where I said, you know what? Screw it. I said, I'm making this happen. I'm doing this on my own. Um, I said, not everyone is putting content out right now. So I'm like, I'm proud of myself for number one, not succumbing to the days where my mental health isn't the best, which is where it's easy to say, oh no, I'm just not going to do it. Because it's so easy to say, oh, I'm not going to film. I'm not going to film. Oh hey yeah I know we said we we're gonna film tonight yeah can um can we reschedule that you know things like that so being able to like do it and follow through with it and say you know what even though I don't have the setup I want I don't have the props I want I don't have the aesthetic I want <laughs> I, I'm still going to try to make the best of it mm-hmm. and when the content is good the aesthetic really doesn't matter. Mm. so i just hoped that the content was good no i i at least from my perspective and i can tell you this i thought the content was good and also as someone who produces a weekly podcast (laughs) i totally understand all of those struggles that you're talking about (laughs) it it is it can be a, a slog 
at times just to kind of like get out of your own head. So kudos yeah. to you for, for, you know, overcoming you. that. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, well, we are sort of starting to wind down a little bit, but I can't end this without bringing up pro wrestling after dark because you are going to be getting back into the ring for the first time in a little while. I know you've been in the ring this year, but it's been at least for maybe you can answer this question better for me. It's been a little bit since you've been in the ring, correct? No. Okay. Please educate me. I have been wrestling every month since April. Okay. March. Okay. Uh, at Triple WA. Okay, there we go. As um, I, I saw the the March match um, in, with Triple WA, but I had I wasn't aware. My apologies. No, it's it's okay. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's really fun because um, I wrestled for them once right before COVID hit. Um, <clears throat> so they called me back when they started running back up again, and mm. even though I'm like a dastardly heel, it's so amazing to see the fans gravitate towards you each show and you know people like hey can you bring three shirts for me and my daughters and people like hey we didn't get our picture last time hey i printed out the picture you took with my son can you autograph it so Mm. i've been doing that um monthly and um our shows actually next saturday matt cardona is going to be on it so he's in the main event Okay. Awesome. Well, you have that going. And then you also have this match coming up, this uh, three-way, this, uh, <laughs> I just love the name of this match at Taste the Rainbow. Um, Felicia Roses, Felicia, ah, Felicia Roses, you would think I would do this for a job, right? <laughs> Felicia, Felicia Roses, gay or stay three-way. I don't know what it means. And I'm being <laughs> so honest. <laughs> I'm being so honest. Oh, uh, well, I mean, Mysterio the magic- messaged me. It was so okay. funny. He messaged me. Um, I'm not going to say his real name because I don't I don't think he, I think he really tries to keep them separate. Mm-hmm. But um, he messaged me because um, we we wrestled together at CZW. <clears throat> he was like, hey, bro. Um, how you been? Like, we're going to be working each other later um, next month. And I was like, oh, shit, where? I'm thinking, you know, you know, CZW or Titan or something. He's like, pro wrestling after dark. And I'm like, what? I was like, hell yeah, let's go. Because I know he can work. Mm-hmm. Like, I know he's like very technically sound. So I'm like, yes, I love a technical worker. He's like, yeah, the graphics are going up in a few days. So I was like, okay. And then the graphic went up and I was like, First, Gabby is one of my uh, longest friends in this business. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've never worked each other. Mm. Never worked each other. Um, I think the most we've done is like, she mushed me once and I was in the crowd. <laughs> I was there for my friend's match. This is before <laughs> I was even a worker. Um, <clears throat> and then Felicia, we met at uh, Paris's Bumping. Mm-hmm. And it was just an instant like, yeah. So <clears throat> it, I, I'm in a match, I guess you could say, <laughs> with uh, three people I absolutely adore. So I can guarantee you this match is going to be a shit show <laughs> in the best way possible. Because when you're in the ring with people that you like, you love, and you, you know, and you trust them, 
you you can go all out. It's like you don't have any limitations or whatever. You don't care about making the other person look better because it's like, hey, what can we do to, you know, make sure everybody remembers this match? Like, and we all have the same mindset. And I'm really excited for that. That was the first time like I ever reached out to a promoter and got put on their show mm. <clears throat> that was like to this magnitude, you know, pro wrestling after dark. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of led that you was to... like six months ago? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask, like, what kind of led you to to reach out to to them? Um, what was it about the the, the stuff they've been putting out that kind of led you to want to work for them? Um, well, I'm pretty familiar with Chad Mines' work. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of my friends wrestle for his companies. So I had known, you know, his work, but I would, I wasn't going to reach out yet because I think at that time I had just moved back or I was just about to move back, um, move back to Philadelphia and get back to training and stuff. And um, <clears throat> my best friend, Nevaeh Chantel, she sent me um, like a, a few different events. Cause that's what we do. We like, we'll like message each other events. Like, should we get, try to get books for this? Should we reach out to this promoter? So like, we do that for each other. And it's, it's I love that about our friendship. Like mm-hmm. she'll send me stuff like, yo Bessie, I think this might be a good booking for you. <clears throat> um, so she sent me that and um, I DM, I sent Chad a DM. I was like, hey, you know, hi, how are you? Hope all is well. Um, I saw the event. Um, I would be honored um, if I could work for the event, you know, any possible way, like I'd be honored. And he said, sure. He said, um, yeah. And this was like in March. I think this, this was before Mania. Because, mm. you know, a lot of shows, they put, they put the stuff out way in advance. Yeah. <clears throat> so this is put way out in advance. And I, I messaged him. I got that booking. Um, and I was just like, wow, like <laughs> it, it, it's literally just, just a wow, you know, just to say like, hi, I'd love to work for your show and not be left on scene, not be left on red. Um, so I, I'm just, I'm excited because wrestling is just so fun and working with my friends is so fun. Like literally working with your friends is so fun. Um, I especially love working with my female friends in the ring because I tell them straight up, hit me as hard as you can. Like beat my ass. Because mm-hmm. <clears throat> I grew up with sisters. Like I have a shit ton of sisters. I have a lot of female cousins. So I'm like, I women actually hit harder than men. <laughs> so i laugh like, because it's true it's so true that's why people <laughs> like oh i don't in, intergender wrestling is not believable i was like go to the hood let me know if you want to fight one of them chicks because they'll hit you faster than a dude a dude do a lot of this <laughs> a woman fat mm. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I, I, I don't know. I'm excited to see to see the match. I'm excited for the show. Honestly, like Pro Wrestling After Dark's been a company that has been really interesting to watch. Their kind of 
evolvement or the yeah, evolution rather that's the word not um evolvement evolvement oh! i know right i get paid I to, to come up with you. words i'm tweeting that <laughs> i am tweeting that one you know what i'm i'm cool with it i'm cool <laughs> with it um but no, it's been interesting to watch it's like obviously they're just like such a big mix of stuff and i think like you characterizing this match specifically as like a shit show in the best way is probably like the best way to describe a lot of pro wrestling after dark shows like <laughs> because like it's just a whole lot of fun but it's just so it's like, like let's just throw some death match in there we'll throw some like some stuff that speaks to the to the gay community in there and we'll just throw like all these different things and just big mishmash up of a pot and it's just they're really really fun and i'm excited to see them do a a pride theme show in this way i'm excited for all the people that are involved in it you know including yourself um and i'm just looking forward to what i wish hell. you knew who gay mysterio was <laughs> oh my gosh i wish to god you knew who he was because i never knew he did that character mm. so when he showed it to me i was like oh my <laughs> god <laughs> i was like does your wife know about this? <laughs> Mind you, she's at every show. Love her. Mm -hmm. But it was just so unlike him. <laughs> and I was like, dude, I cannot believe this is you. But I think that's, again, just speaks to the power of pro wrestling. Like, mm -hmm. you can do shit show wrestling <laughs> and it'd be so entertaining because sometimes people just want to look at something that's so ridiculous but if you do it believably and you believe in what you're doing it it's not a ridiculous as like oh like, come on really it's like ridiculous it's like oh my <laughs> god i cannot believe you just did that <laughs> and i think we're, we're definitely gonna bring that like if you saw felicia's segment at paris is bumping oh my god i didn't even know that was how it was gonna go Nobody did. I was, I was like, oh my god! I was like, girl, you really about to show me you, you coochie in front of these people? <laughs> like, oh my god! Like, oh my god! And then I didn't know she was coming out to tweet. So if you listen closely, you can hear me singing on commentary. So <laughs> that's like one of my favorite songs. And I was like, oh my god! But that was an example of blending sexuality and fun and sex and just everything because as human beings that's what we are we're all of that mm -hmm. so I think like pro wrestling after dark Paris is bumping it just I think the reason why people gravitate towards it so much is because it for once they feel free mm. they don't feel restricted it's like oh she she's got her nipples out yeah, okay Yep. <laughs> versus like if you had a regular wrestling show it was like oh my god nipples <laughs> but it's like in these spaces it's like okay yeah it's a nipple it's okay mm -hmm. it's okay it's a nipple yeah. and everyone's like yes nipple and you know you <laughs> everyone is is having a good time and I, I that's what I love about just these shows is it allows people to just be free to not feel restricted, to not feel like they have to conform. It's like, for one night, you get to just take your bra off and let, let your titties hang. 
<laughs> I mean, if you're a guy, let your nuts hang. You know. There you go. No, it's it's honestly like I'm I'm with you on all of that. You know, and especially I. So real quick before we leave that Felicia segment mm-hmm. at the beginning of PIB. Oh my god. It was just so, so good. I, I have never seen someone so be so ready and happy to just call an entire room full of people simps in their life. The Felicia was Rose. So good. And when I tell you I didn't know any of that. Um mm. and I think they kept it in-house like the people that were involved in the segment news so i don't think other people knew um which i think helps as well because i mean of course we can feign a reaction at any time but <clears throat> there's something about a reaction being like super authentic because you can feel it so like when she did that i was like oh uh, no she did it <laughs> And when we got downstairs, you know, during intermission, I said, girl, you were incredible. I'm talking like TV level heel mic work, like incredible. And she's so sweet. She was like, oh my God, thank you. Like, she's so sweet. And I was just like, dude, like, oh my God, you're going to give, you're going to like that show. (laughs) <laughs> oh every match had something like you ever go to shows and you're like who wrestled in the match? oh i only remember no like every match like had like a, a, a highlight moment of it like every single match and mm-hmm. i'm just so happy i get to be a part of stuff like this and to be happy and be fulfilled and you know, get done with the show and be happy, get done with a, a match and feel happy. And it's yeah. it's an amazing feeling, man. Honestly, like, I don't think anything can describe it. Mm. I don't. No, I mean, I, just, <laughs> I, I can totally see that, honestly. Like, it's it's a feeling that few get to experience. And, and I'm glad that you get to experience that for yourself. I hope you get to experience again after this Gator stage three way with Gay Mysterio and Gabby <laughs> Ortiz coming up on October first for you at Taste the Rainbow. Theo, thank Look, you. Look, I just need to find me another husband at this event. <laughs> my first husband ain't worked, so hopefully I find my second husband there. I mean, you never know where where options pop up, right? Right, gay or <laughs> what is it, gay, gay or stay, gay or stay. <laughs> I'm, oh my god i'm so, are you gonna be there i'm not unfortunately oh, but i wish i wish it's a it's a little bit of a, a trip for me but i will i will definitely be watching whenever it is put up on iwtv <laughs> because i'm not missing this i can't you know <laughs> i can guarantee you it's 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 gonna be fun it's gonna be over the top it's gonna be ridiculous you're going to see sides of all of us that you're going to be like, whoa, <laughs> like surprise. I am but, here uh, for it. All it, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, well, Theo, thank you so much for taking the time today. Uh, let everybody know where they can find you online. Well, first, um, thank you so much for having me. Number one, I really appreciate, you know, you reaching out, wanting to bring me on little old me. 
Um, <clears throat> you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at the underscore Theo Ivory. That's T-H-E-E underscore Theo Ivory. Uh, YouTube, Theo Ivory. And if you go to like my Instagram or Twitter, um, I have a link in my bio. It's called All My Links. So that shows mm -hmm. you pretty much where all my stuff is like my facebook twitter instagram merch store youtube link so all that awesome well thank you again theo thank you so hopefully i'll see you soon at maybe the next paris event oh something there, there will be there will be another time for me to get out of portland for a little while <laughs> awesome well i can't wait thanks uh, for having me again oh thank you My thanks once again to Theo for coming on the show and taking the time to chat. Um, I haven't seen the tweet yet about my lovely new word that came out of my mouth, but I'm sure that's going to be coming any minute now, knowing Theo. <laughs> it's all right. I, it's whatever. We, it was a fun conversation. I hope you all enjoyed it. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's gonna that's our show for this week. Um, oh, real quick, if you are going to be at the Without a Cause show, the WAX show up in uh, Washington this weekend, Sunday, September 26th. Uh, I am going to finally be making my first trek up to catch a WAC live event, and I am super stoked. Uh, but So if you see me there, like come say hi. It's uh, always uh, fun. Uh, if you don't, totally fine too. Trust me, as someone who is a perpetual wallflower who is very, very weird about uh, approaching people, even whenever it's their job, I totally understand. Regardless, I hope anybody that comes out to the show has a lot of fun and enjoys what is going to be going down up there. Uh, a lot of fun matches. Paradigm Pro is bringing a number of talents uh, to the show, so it's going to be dope. Um, and... Make sure to keep your eye on the Outsports Podcast Network over the weekend because I am going, the, the aforementioned uh, Chris Canyon Dark Side of the Ring episode, I'm going to be putting together a little thing, uh, kind of looking at that and discussing it once it's out into the wild for all of us to see. So just keep your eyes filled over the weekend. It'll be there um, at some point this weekend too. Um, that's going to do it though for us this week. I think that's everything. For right now, I haven't watched Grand Slam yet as of this recording, at least this part of the recording. Um, so, no spoilers. Regardless, um, y'all come back next week. We'll have another great guest, more great conversation here on the podcast. But until then, y'all stay messy, wash your hands, wear your mask, get vaccinated, and all the power to Alexa Bliss. Bye.